Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Well, hey, good morning, church. How about worship this morning? And we introduced that last song last week, and I went and I found the recorded version of it and listened to it in my car. It just wasn't the same. Like, that's Jayla's song, right? Like, that's how I feel. Maybe you guys have something to do with that. Singing that out as the body of Christ, man, it's just powerful and life-changing. How many of you enjoyed the Christmas decorations when you showed up here today? Man, we had a ton of volunteers that were up here serving. We've been giving out drinks and stuff. We got apple cider, we got coffee, we got water. Our bathrooms are closed. This is a bad time to let you know. During the sermon, we close those things down. Hey, it is the month of December, which means three things, okay? It means lights are on the trees. Okay? Uh, it means that your schedules are packed with every special gathering and event you could possibly fit into them. It also means that I'm celebrating one year as your lead pastor. Oh man, I'm so grateful. Hey, a week, a week after my first child was born, I can remember rolling over in bed looking at my wife and our eyes were like bloodshot. You know, we hadn't slept in a whole week and I said, can you believe we kept her alive for an entire week? And that's, that's kind of how I feel today. Can you believe the church is still here a year later? They hadn't figured out that I don't know what I'm doing yet. Listen, I want you to know this has been one of the most scary and difficult responsibilities that I have ever been given. Um, but from the bottom of my heart, it is also one of the most rewarding things that I could ever hope to be a part of. Um, I just wanna let you guys know, I am so grateful uh, for the trust that you've placed in me, for the relationships we've built together, and also the impact we get to have on this world together. And I think there are even better days ahead. God is doing an incredible thing in and through Northridge Christian Church. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for letting me be a part of it. Hey, one of the things that God is doing in our church right now during this season is, is he's enhancing our appreciation for the book of Psalms. I mean, that's what this entire series is all about. See, no matter what, what season you're in, whether it's an anniversary or, or holidays or hardship or any number of other things, this book, the book of Psalms, has something to say about it. See, the songs and, and, and the poems and the prayers that we find in this book, they anticipate and they train us for every spiritual, social, and emotional condition that we face. So the more we dive into them, the more life change we experience. So today I want us to jump into Psalm chapter 114. It's only eight verses, so we're just gonna read straight through it together. Here's what it says. When Israel came out of Egypt, Jacob from a people of foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountains leaped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it sea that you fled? Why Jordan did you turn back? Why mountains did you leap like rams, you hills like lambs? Tremble, earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into springs of water. Listen, this is the second in a series of six Psalms, okay, Psalms 113 through 118, that are known as the Jewish Hallel. Okay, Hallel just simply means praise. These psalms or, or these, this series of praises, these were often sung as part of the Jewish Passover celebration. 
As a matter of fact, you've probably read this and skipped right over it, but in the New Testament, it says that Jesus, when he met with his disciples for the Last Supper, it says they sang together before going off to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is most likely what they gathered together to sing. You see, this portion of scripture that we're talking about today, this is a yearly reminder for the Israelite nation of God's powerful presence and all the ways that God's presence still transformed their life all the way to that point. Listen, let me tell you why this is so incredibly significant for us today. You see, as we move into this Christmas season, we're gonna be trying to remember where we placed the tree topper, okay? We're gonna be trying to remember how we set up all of the direct decorations. We're gonna be, be forced to remember why it's so important to save up money throughout the year in preparation for Christmas gifts, right? See, throughout this entire month, we're gonna be desperate to remember how in the world we ever fit three months worth of activities into just 25 days of December leading up to Christmas. But let me tell you something, that stuff's all gonna happen naturally, but the most important thing to remember is that the baby in the manger is the Lord of our lives whose presence still changes everything. Today's sermon and sentence is a phrase that I stole from a, from a pastor, author, and Bible teacher named David Gusick, and this is what he says, any place God dwells, he dominates. In other words, if God is in it, it belongs to and it submits to him. Today, we're gonna to look at Psalm 114, and we're gonna dive into three critical areas, practical areas that submit to God's powerful presence. First one is found in the first two verses. Let's revisit those together. It says, when Israel came out of Egypt, Jacob from a people of a foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel, his dominion. Here's the first thing you need to understand about this. These two phrases, when Israel came out of Egypt and Jacob from a people of foreign tongue, they're just two ways of describing the exact same event. You see, this is talking about the great Old Testament redemption story. It's a story you're probably familiar with. See, it's a story about the Israelites who are God's people and they're enslaved in Egypt. And so what God does is he develops a leader from among them, Moses, who's gonna fight for the release of God's people. And through Moses, God initiates a series of 10 plagues that ultimately break Pharaoh's resolve to maintain their captivity. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh got so desperate to get rid of the Israelite people that he sends them out with gold and silver and clothing just to be rid of the problem of God's people in his presence trying to escape. But when the Israelites become entrapped by a body of water, Pharaoh has a change of heart. And so what he does is he sends out the Egyptian armies to go recapture his workforce. All of a sudden, the Israelites find themselves between a rock and a hard place. They've got armies coming from one side. They've got a body of water at another direction. They have nowhere to turn for help except for God. What God does is he parts the waters so the Israelite nation can walk through on dry ground. Bible tells us the Egyptian army came in after them and God allows the water to crash down on top of them so that the people of Israel could go free. Now, what's the result of this powerful story? Well, obviously there's a freedom from oppression, right? I mean, like the nation of Israel no longer has holds, uh, or the people of Egypt no longer have holds on the nation of Israel, but the, the reality goes so much farther than that. 
You see, according to these two verses, all of a sudden, something even bigger has changed. Judah, which represents the whole nation, it becomes the sanctuary, the dominion, the dwelling place of God. You see, Israel as a people, they, they become bound to the Lord. They were, they were no longer forced into submission to an evil king. Instead, they could choose to be subjects of the living God who loves them enough to pursue them and rescue them and take up residence among them. Here's the first truth about God that still rings true for us today. God's presence dominates his people. You see, we as believers, we as Christians, we are not forced into submission against our will. But after experiencing the loving goodness and power of God who pursues us, how could we not choose to surrender our lives to him? See, I almost changed this word dominate like four times this week because I was scared of how that was gonna sit with you but I want you to understand fully what it means. To dominate means to have a commanding influence or to be the most important person or thing. God's pursuit of us, his willingness to dwell among us, that should dominate every area of our lives. It should transform us from the inside out. How many Billy Joel fans do we have? Anybody in the room? Okay, a few of you, okay. I don't know the first Billy Joel song. I think he sings the Macarena or something. I'm not really sure exactly what he sings. But I did read something about him this week that made me appreciate his style, okay. According to the internet, okay, you could take this to the bank. Billy Joel never sells tickets to the front rows of his concert. See, aside from wanting to beat the scalpers, he's, he's also reached a point where he just got tired of all the bored rich people staring up at him. And so now what he does is he sells all the tickets except for the front rows. He sends his crew to the back rows so that he can find genuine fans that are excited to be there and he upgrades their ticket so that they can sit in the very front. And when he does that, he says he does it so that there will be, and I quote, people in the front row that are really happy to be there, real fans. Can I, can I ask you something? And, and I'm just going to tell you, this is going to hurt a little bit. Okay. This is kind of like going to the doctor to get your shoulder popped back in place. Like it hurts, but it's good. Okay. Do you think God ever looks at the church the way Billy Joel looks at the bored rich people staring up at him from the front rows? I'm not done yet. Do you think God ever wonders why his presence no longer excites the people whose proximity to his power and goodness should stir the greatest emotions. Do you think God ever gets tired of seeing bored Christians that are not transformed by his presence? Let me tell you something, folks. Our lives should be completely dominated by the fact that we are God's dwelling place. He's not Billy Joel on stage performing for us. He is literally alive and at work in and through us. And if that isn't changing something about us, we haven't really invited him in. Paul describes it in this way, Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live and the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What Paul says is God's fingerprint is so incredibly evident in his life 
that if you were to look at his life, you would assume that he had died and Christ had taken his place. What about you? And what about me? See, the first goal of Psalm 114 is that we would choose to be subject to and transformed by the God who loves us, pursues us, rescues us, and takes up residence within us. God dwells in his people, and any place that God dwells, he dominates. Let's look at one other place that's impacted by God's powerful presence. Verses three through six. It says, the sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountains leaped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it sea that you fled? Why Jordan did you turn back? Why mountains did you leap like rams, you hills like lambs? Listen, this section, it, it highlights the movability of things that appear to be fixed and settled. I mean, it highlights things that, that based on our worldly standards, these things are absolutely immovable. The Red Sea and the Jordan River, they're both bodies of water that, that submit to God's dominance in order to allow his people safe passage. See, the hills and the mountains, this refers to the earthquakes and the other supernatural things that occurred on places like Mount Sinai when God's presence was powerfully alive and at work in the presence of his people. Listen, throughout history, Okay, nature, things like rivers and bodies of water and mountains and hills, these things have created barriers and obstacles for human ambition, but not to God. You see, the psalmist, he says rhetorically, he asks, he says, what, what causes nature to alter its disposition in the presence of God? Let me tell you something, the only reason you ask a rhetorical question is because the answer is so incredibly obvious, it could reach out and slap you in the face. Here's the obvious answer. Even nature trembles and yields in the presence of what God chooses to do. Here's the second truth about God's presence that still rings true today. God's presence dominates earth's barriers. God's presence dominates earth's barriers. That's why Jesus says in, in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, he says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You see, this verse is often mistakenly used to describe God as a magical genie who grants our every wish. That's not its purpose at all. You see, its purpose is, is to describe him as an all-powerful presence that cannot and will not by, be limited by anything on this earth. In other words, there is no mountain he cannot move. There is no river he cannot part. There is no cliff he cannot climb. There is no terrain he cannot travel. There is no distance he cannot cover. God's presence dominates, overpowers, and controls them all. Can I tell you what this means practically for us? It means that there is nothing in this world that can slow us down when God wants to move us forward. Maybe you're facing some kind of roadblock at work or at school. Maybe there's some kind of relational dynamic in your life that just feels absolutely broken and hopeless. Maybe there's a financial disaster that has stolen your joy. Maybe there's a physical limitation that has robbed your hope. Any barrier that stands against us is paralyzed by the power of God who dwells within us. Are you limited 
by the barriers in your life? Or are you humbly, passionately, and expectantly inviting the God of the universe to step in and do something with them? Let me tell you how we're putting this in practice this month at Northridge. Okay, during the month of December, we're asking our people, people who call Northridge Christian Church their home, to give sacrificially towards a focused initiative that will demonstrate our faith in God to break down the barriers of this community. You see, through this special offering that we're all gonna participate in throughout the month of December, we're hoping to accomplish two different things. First thing we're gonna do is we're gonna bring back Serve Day. Anybody excited about that? For those of you that are new to Northridge, you don't know what Serve Day is. Essentially what we're gonna do is we're gonna combine our time and our energy and all of our resources together so that we can go out in this community and tackle and break down any and every obstacle and barrier in Milledgeville. That means this month's special offering is gonna be used and invested in schools and in businesses and nonprofits, even in other churches, so that the people in this community will know and understand that God loves them enough to address the barriers they face in their life. The money's also gonna do another thing. It's gonna establish a fund to help the over 300 homeless children in Baldwin County. Let that sink in for just a minute over 300 homeless children that are recorded in Baldwin County. See, what we're doing is we're establishing a fund that's gonna allow them to, to settle into a safe and permanent place to live. There is no more devastating barrier in life than a child that does not have a home. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna prayerfully ask God to show up so that we can step into that situation and let them know that God loves them and we love them and we're gonna work together so that we can help them overcome this barrier that they face. See, we're praying that God's people who call Northridge Christian Church their home will help us raise $30,000 this month so that we can establish these two things. Let me tell you something. Do you know how crazy it is to set a goal of $30,000 in a month where, where we are overwhelmed by the financial obligations in our life? Like, like inflation is at an all-time high. Your shopping list is incredibly high. But here's what we believe. We believe that God is not limited by our financial context. And so we're prayerfully asking God to show up in a big way so this church will not just be a place that people gather. It'll be a place where we come together so that we can go out and we can proclaim the love of Jesus and break down barriers in this community. Here's how you can participate. You can clap for it if you want. We got one person excited about $30,000 and what we're gonna do. Here's how you can participate in that. Once you've given your normal offering to support the mission and ministry of the church, stop right there. Okay, and then take anything extra that you wanna give. You can go online, you can go to our giving areas and designate it for our Christmas offering. And I promise you, all of that money is gonna to go towards breaking down barriers in this community. You can even track our progress in the lobby. We've got a, a wall set up with ornaments where you're gonna be able to see week after week after week how close we are to our goal. Listen, there is nothing else that can do what God can do. And so we're asking him to move through us in a powerful way and break down barriers in this community. Listen, there's one more place that's impacted by God's powerful presence. And if you could believe it, it's even more substantial and impactful than all the rest. This is what it says in verse seven through eight. It closes out the Psalm with tremble earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into springs of water. 
Listen, after escaping Egypt, the Israelites, they found themselves in a barren desert. And, and all of a sudden, they're facing down the threat of death by dehydration. And so they call out to God to show up and meet them in their place of their deepest need. And God shows compassion on them by providing water from a rock. And through this one act, he proves once and for all that his presence works for and not against his people. You see, what matters most is not that God dwells with his people, although that matters. What matters most is not that he has the power to do incredible things, although he does. What matters most is that he has compassion on his people in their time of need. Listen, that's why this entire psalm, it focuses on the greatest demonstration of compassion we have of God in the Old Testament, the redemption of God's people from slavery in Egypt. But for us, for New Testament believers, for the church today in the year 2022, we recognize that God's greatest demonstration of compassion for us is the life and death of Jesus that sets us free from the grasp and the consequence of our sin. Listen, one more powerful truth that we are gonna hang our hat on today is this, God's presence dominates our sin. It dominates even our sin. Look at what it says in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. It says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of, a, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Listen, our great redemption story is the gift of Jesus Christ. We were separated from God because of our sinful rebellion. But at just the right time, God showed up with compassion through Jesus Christ to provide hope and a new opportunity for us to experience his love in a real tangible way. He proved once and for all, there is nothing in this world, not even our sinful rebellion that can separate us from him if we'll choose to turn to him and accept it. He is for us, he is compassionate. His goodness runs after us and his love redeems us. And that's something worth celebrating. Let me paint a picture for you. One more before we close out. In 1979, there was a 29 year old woman named Elvita Adams. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the first name right. E-L-V-I-T-A, Elvita Adams. And Elvita Adams, she made the heartbreaking decision in 1979 to end her life. See, she had lost her job. She was living on welfare checks and they just weren't stretching far enough. She was broken, she was hopeless, she was alone and she didn't feel like she had any other way out. So she went to the Empire State Building and she decided she was gonna jump off the Empire State Building. Now she didn't jump off the 10th floor. Okay, she didn't jump off the 50th floor. She jumped off the 86th floor. Now, let me ask you something. Based on those facts alone, what would you say the moment her feet left the ground, what were her odds of survival? Anybody? Yeah, zero, right? I mean, like, there's no way you can walk away from that. Wrong. See, it just so happens that there was a strong gust of wind that picked up at that particular moment. This woman threw herself off the 86th floor. A gust of wind picked her up and sent her back to the 85th floor. We just sang about that, right? He set my feet back on solid ground. This is what he was talking about. Why am I telling you this story? Because in the same way that this woman's action sent her barreling towards the streets of New York City with absolutely zero chance of survival, our sins, our rebelliousness, they send us barreling towards hell without hope. But at just the right time, 
At precisely the right moment, Jesus comes out of nowhere and he provides for us a powerful second chance, something we could never earn for ourselves. He redeems us. He sets our feet back on solid ground and he tells us to go on living in the freedom of his love. Listen, once we turn to him, God's presence dominates even our sinful rebellion and gives us another chance. Listen, maybe you're here today and you think that Christmas is all about Santa, reindeer, and elves. Let me tell you something, you don't know the half of it. Christmas is a yearly celebration of the very thing that we gather together every single Sunday to remember. Jesus Christ chose to dwell among us and to set us free from our sin. And we just need to choose to kick off this Christmas season with that as the central focus. I told you at the beginning of the message that, uh, that during the Jewish Passover, the, the Jewish people would often sing this, this psalm together. And, and that sounds like a deeply personal thing, and I'm sure it was, but, but there's more to it than that. You see, they as a nation would begin to sing this and they would proclaim it about the hope that they have in God and they would proclaim it in such a way that it told the world around them about the hope that they had. And they would invite others to come into that celebration and experience his love, maybe for the very first time. Let me tell you something, if Jesus is already the dominant force in your life, your life is already being transformed day after day by him, man, Christmas is a golden opportunity for us to sing out and proclaim the hope we have in Jesus to a world that desperately needs to experience it. To let the people that we work with and the people we go to school with and the people we, we rub shoulders with all week long know that Jesus Christ loves them. He cares about the barriers in their life. He cares about where they are in their relationship with him. He wants to step in and love them in a way that they've never been loved before. He wants to introduce them to unconditional love. And as a church, we just need to decide that is our priority this season to make sure the people around us know that God loves them enough to send Jesus into this world to die for our sins. And we're gonna pray that this world sees something in us that's different and that brings them closer to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for stepping into our lives and showing us that even in our darkest moments, even in our difficult moments, even in the places where it feels like there is no hope, you are with us. You love us. You choose to dwell among us, to dwell in us and to work through us. So God, we ask you to do that in a powerful way now. Lord, we don't wanna be a church that just comes together and gathers and sings some songs and then goes back to the real world. God, we want this to be our real world. We wanna to come together and sing and praise your name and celebrate Christmas and all the things that Jesus has done for us. But then we wanna be empowered to go out into this world and to make a difference, to let people know that there is hope. There is someone who loves them unconditionally. God, I pray that you would surround us with people that need to hear that truth this week. And I pray that you might give us the boldness to do your work to share your love with them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.